Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Show. Coming up, planes, trains and automobiles. Scotland could actually boot their place in Germany this month. Rogers relishes his Ibrox return as Rangers are rocked again. And would the real Hamilton Ackies please stand up? Hello, I'm your host, Andrew Slavin, and joining me this week, he is my brains and I am his pinky, and one day we will take over the world. He's head of creative at Melbourne City, is Finlay Marks. Hello, Finlay. Hey, that's, that's a lovely reference to a niche 90s children's cartoon. What, what is your pinky in the brain was? Big pinky fan of that. and the brain. <laughs> Such a good tune. What are we going to do tonight, Brian? <laughs> the same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the podcasting world. Yeah. That is strangely really good. <laughs> Moving on. She's back, everyone. The walking, talking, drive-by argument. It's Laura Brannan, who has some news for us. You are no longer at West Ham. No, I'm not. I've um, left club football for the first time in a long, long, long time. And I am now working for TNT Sports. Whoa. So, yeah, back in the broadcast world, senior producer over at TNT. You've joined my all my old colleagues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just it's one, one Scott out, one Scott in. Night. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> only capacity for one Scott at this uh, company at a time. That's really cool, though. That's really cool, though. So, what kind of stuff are you going to be doing? Like, what kind of like area is it? Do you know, kind of, is it still early doors? It, it's, it's very early doors, but um, yeah, there's a lot of the coverage is going to be they, they've got the rights to one Premier League game a week. So a lot of the time and effort spent to that. But the main thing is going to be the European coverage. So with the Champions League, Europa League, Conference League coming up, it's huge for them. We'll be doing a lot of kind of stuff. Basically, um, I'll be making a lot of things to go out on social channels that promote the games that are then shown on the, the, the TV channel. And I must say, being in a meeting where it's been over a year now since I've been down in London working and been in a meeting the other day where they're talking about Scottish clubs playing in Europe I was absolutely buzzing just to hear yeah, them mention awesome. the clubs again and to be back involved in that and to potentially be getting to go to these games and covering these clubs is so exciting. So was it very much a case of like, yeah, and we've got Celtic and we've got Rangers and uh, we've got Hibs and we've got <laughs> Laura, who else we got? <laughs> <laughs> Turn to the token Scott in the boardroom. <laughs> yeah, I might I might be giving a wee bit of um, information there and feeding them a lot of the, the facts and stats that they might be needing. <laughs> Uh, absolutely I'm really happy for you Laura because it'll be a good bunch of people you're going to be working over there so that's absolute class right let's get into some funnies Um, I'm going to kick things off because I saw this last week and I didn't uh, put it into the the podcast last week but have you seen that Ryan Kent is looking for a pet sitter now it's not a dog it's not a cat it's his two pet crocodiles (laughs) There is no way this story is real. I, you it is real. The it is real. He's got two crocodiles, apparently. Um, and if you if you want to be a crocodile sitter, um, you could be paid a four-figure salary and you could have health insurance. <laughs> because you'll need it. <laughs> because you'll, you might lose some limbs. Apparently, he... <laughs> He, he must be a reptile lover because there was also this story. Um, thank you for putting this in, Laura, because you've obviously seen it. Uh, he gave Nicola Katich a snake once as a secret <laughs> Santa gift and it got loose in the Rangers dressing room. It, it's at that point, I'm just like, no, somebody is absolutely pulling our legs here. This is not happening. I'm not believing this is true. It's mad. <laughs> Can't believe we missed the opportunity here to make the joke about there being. It's not the first time there's been a snake loose in the Rangers' dressing room. You know, come on, it's. Um, he's <laughs> what do you, he's a well. He, he he kind of had a bit of a reputation in the Rangers fans uh, or in Rangers Twitter as as being a bit of a goth prince. Um, he was really? just like a weird, yeah, because he's, he's into like weird stuff, weird music, and I think I remember when him. Um, it was when he signed permanently for Rangers, his brother came up with him, uh, a guy called Casper Kent, which is just a brilliant name. With and, a K? Um, no, with a C, <laughs> I think, like the friendly ghost. Um, but his, I think his brother's into some rather interesting alternative things as well. Um, wow. <laughs> that, was a, that was a source of, a source of uh, 
fun amongst the Rangers supporters Incredible. for a while. So yeah, I think he comes from a, a fairly a, a fairly alternative background. I wish I knew the names of these crocodiles. I hope one's like snappy, <laughs> unlike the other ones. I don't know. Scaly. Scaly is that the best? Scaly and snappy. Is that the best you've got. <laughs> Surely one of them's got to be Dundee. And maybe Dundee oh, United. Yes. Crocodile Dundee and Crocodile Dundee United. There you go. <laughs> oh, be it, should than that. Be. it should be, but it's sadly, it just won't be. You could take that idea even further and just go with, you know, Kent's English and he constantly gets confused between D- Crocodile Dundee and Crocodile Dundee United. It's like yeah. all of his English yeah. can be yeah. as well. So it works as a metaphor on many, many levels. Yeah. <laughs> we know you're listening, Ryan. Just tell us. Just let us know. Drop us a message. Let us know what you're, they're called. Right. What else? What else have we got? Right, so there's, there's, there's something you need to explain to me, Laura, because I, <laughs> you guys have shared this story on our WhatsApp group. We've talked about it. I've tried to read it, and I don't know what's going on. And it's something to do with Hamilton and multiple Twitter <laughs> accounts. I don't know what is going on. You're the one that's worked in club media for a long time. Please tell me what's happening here. This is incredible. Okay, so, so all these years, Hamilton Aki's have had a Twitter account that is at Aki's FC. And it's all been running quite normally, okay? Nothing too amazing, but you're like, right, fine, okay, it's given us the news and the updates as we expect. What's actually emerged is a new official Hamilton Aki's Twitter account has come out now. And it is at the Aki's FC. And the bio says the official home of Hamilton Academical FC, hashtag new era. (laughs) So what has happened here? Um, Basically, long and short of it is, there is a guy that works at Hamilton. I am not entirely sure if he still works at Hamilton or not, but he has been at there. Like he's one of these like older guys that's just been around the club all his life, always will be, even if he's not officially there. And he started the Twitter account back up, you know, like a decade ago when it first all kind of started. Club started getting on board with this, and he has been quite precious about his account ever since. So well, um. The media team always had access to post on it. He was always the kind of the one controlling it. And I get the impression now, and obviously I'm not there. I don't know what exactly is happening behind the scenes, but I get the feeling that the club are kind of like, right, okay, enough's enough. We can't have one person run our account who doesn't actually work in the media team at the club. Let's start our own one from scratch since you're not going to hand it over to us and give us full control. So they've done that. But the thing is that what is the now old account can't seem to let go. And they're still tweeting everything that's happening. So they're tweeting like minute by minute updates during the game at the weekend. They were tweeting all through deadline day about all the transfers. Um, it's quite incredible. But what is even better is they um they 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 put out a post advertising the weekend's game with a player who'd actually left on deadline day oh, the day before. Yeah. Oh, that's a stinker. So, yeah, so they're they're kind of they're messing up there. There's even things like on Instagram they were posting like the wrong shape of photo and stories and stuff. <laughs> that they're, they're they're having a nightmare right now across the platforms. And the real yeah. account, the real new account, only has 370 followers. <laughs> so nobody's <laughs> kind of caught on that Aki's have moved and they they can't quite gather the same momentum as this other account. So I think they're they're all having a bit of a nightmare right now trying to establish themselves. There's nothing worse than just kind of posting something with a picture of the wrong player i mean i know i know i know you've just joined tnt laura but their big promo that they released had jack and in their big promo and i was just like you can't get that stuff like wrong it's important but for hamilton ackies sort it out boys come on don't be so precious just pick one and stick with one dogs bark and the caravan passes the caravan keeps moving the caravan keeps going right laura should we do some news now why the hell not why the hell not do you want to kick things off because i did see last week there was an excellent news story that you told us on our little whatsapp group chat about kilmarnock a nice news story um they've set a ticket record (laughs) uh (laughs) nice to hear they've um not only beat last year's sales i think it was just over five thousand was last year's number um but they said the smashed a long-standing record from dating back to the 90s so they didn't say the exact number wow but if they're smashing something that's 30 years old yeah it's, it's a, a nice a nice we feel good story from them they're doing well good phrasing think, there laura good phrasing <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you would notice <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing though like i remember the 90s but i don't remember kilmarnock <laughs> having like full stands or anything like that 
But it's amazing. No, it this. this this is all coming off the back of just not letting Celtic and Rangers have their <laughs> fill, basically, isn't it? I mean, I was going to say it was like recently we've heard St Mirren as well benefit from this, and they've released like record crowds and everything, and numbers are on the up. And that's another club that has decided to keep their stands. When Celtic Rangers come to town, they don't give the second stand away to the visiting fans. So yeah, I mean, they got they were another club that got criticised, saying you're just going to lose money. And you're you're not going to benefit from this. And lo and behold, well, they are. Yeah, I wonder where the criticism was coming from. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Another couple of um, nice wee stories as well from the weekend was um, Dundee United introduced a singing section. And that's the kind of first time they've properly put, like, I mean, I know they've had like TIFOs and stuff and displays and things in the past, but they've organised, I think it's like the first eight rows or something in the George Fox stand. Um, they did drum in and it was a, more of an organised singing section and it went down really well. Uh, nice. Looked, looked like good scenes, yeah. Also in a similar vein, Rangers got their pulley system installed as well. So this is the type of TIFO display. You'll probably know it quite well from the likes of Bruce Dortmund that actually have like 3D displays. So they've got the system at the top of the stand and they pull yeah. up the display from the base. Um, looks great, but obviously in the old firm game. There are other clubs in Scotland that have done it before. Motherwell have done it. Dundee United. Um, yeah. Spartans, we were talking to a couple of weeks back about exactly that thing. Um, so it's not the first time it's happened in Scotland, but it's great to see more clubs are doing it and really embracing this and looking at different ways to do displays as well. It's just great to see the 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 active fan bases of so many clubs coming to the fore. Like it's not, you, you've you know you've got the, the the bigger ones are the ones that are maybe a bit more famous or infamous. You know, like Union Bears or Green Brigade, Well Boys or whatever. But it's like at all levels now. It's brilliant. Like we we did that um, highlight in the story of of Spartans. But um, you know, uh, one of my mates was at the 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 midweek Falkirk game. I think it was the week before last. Um, and they, they have a brilliant singing section, you know, drums and active fans and all that kind of thing. Uh, we've seen it at Dunfermline in recent seasons as well. So it's just it's just brilliant to see that atmosphere being bought to grounds all around the country and not necessarily just at the, the top level or the clubs that you would consider to be better supported than others. It's, it's brilliant because it's such an engaging thing, I, I think, especially for younger fans and fans that have grown up seeing um, this kind of, not not even just an ultras fan culture, but just a more active fan culture in Europe or in other countries around the world. And they're like, oh, that's amazing. I want to be part of that. And it's great because it just brings such vibrancy and colour and noise and everything else. And it really instills that sense of community and togetherness within those mm-hmm. fan groups and those sections within supporter bases. It's just it's brilliant to see. I think it's also becoming such a, a thing about Scottish football as well, uh, which is great. Uh, we've talked about it in the past that obviously I'm, I'm working down in England just now and you don't see a lot in English football you go I've been around so many different towns no. and it's just not a thing here um, whereas back home it's it's great to see so many clubs embracing it and as you're saying it's not just Celtic and Rangers with the bigger fan bases it's right down to as we were talking about Spartans recently whether that's just 20 young boys that are pulling it together themselves it's great to see it at all different levels it really becoming part of the culture of football in our country mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah they're too polite down in England that's one thing we can definitely <laughs> say listen did you guys see the uh the images of the new Celtic kit that has come out it's a commemorative kit you know they come out often now but <laughs> celebrates 125 years um of the hoops it's something that actually you guys spoke with uh Craig McFarlane about this sort of thing potentially happening in one of the first episodes we did this season purely born out of the fact that the, the new hoops has been uh, received rather terribly by yeah. Celtic supporters and, and further afield, I suppose. I think Craig pretty much summed up when he said um, he thinks, obviously the, these these images have been leaked before the season started and the, the images of both kits have been leaked and then when they confirmed the one, that the current one, um, shall we call it the snakeskin hoops, um, mm. it didn't go down well. It's, 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 it's never going to go down well. I don't think it's ever going to become this um, cult strip in years to come. I don't think but... it even divides opinion. <laughs> no, it's it really doesn't. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and Craig said, kind of said at the time that he feels as though that kit, the new kit, the anniversary kit, would come out in a few months' time to uh, make up for <laughs> the poor mm. reception and probably the money they've lost because I can't see it being snapped up off the shelves the same way as this a lot new nicer. one, for example. Oh my God. Be. It's, yeah, it's so it's, much it's, nicer. It's so cleaner. 
it's a classic kit. It's like it's kind of what we say about the Scotland 120, 150th anniversary kit. It is just yeah, it's it's perfection to what it should be. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Finn? <laughs> think it's nice you like that kit the new commemorative kit i mean as as far as um kits that are green and white hoops go um it's, it's not one of the more offensive ones i've seen no. um it's uh, it is one of those things i think i i'm i'm it, just a football kits in general i much prefer clean plain and simple or something that is so bizarre out there that you're just like well sure. that's that's yeah. just off the scale i think the the celtic home kit for this season it is just exactly what we mentioned in that that kits preview we did with craig mcfarland from the the football kit memories podcast it doesn't tick any of the right boxes that the celtic fan base want a celtic kit to tick which to be honest is not a difficult checklist to make it's like <laughs> unbroken hoops and no weird patterns on the hoops as well um, it's not to say that you can't play around with it because again as we all know, 90s football kits are the best kits. But a lot of the Celtic kits from that time had, you know, like the embossed Umbro logo in it or yeah. like they had the, um, it was towards the end of the 90s, there was, again, it was like like, like an embossing of like the Celtic yes. word yeah, mark yeah, in the kind of like Celtic branding, like that lettering that's there and stuff. They're just way smarter. Um, but you have to have it in, in those lines. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this one, grossly outsells the uh the snakeskin kit no from the season no and doubt. and all the other uh kits from the season too but yeah if you if you do if anyone's listening does like uh talking about kits uh do um go look at our youtube channel yep we've we've released an extended chat with craig on youtube looking Ooh. at all the different kits and obviously we put a shortened version into the, the final episode but yeah you can watch the extended version on youtube and see all of the, the major kits that came out in the summer. Football, by the hell. We also caught our first glimpse of where our Scottish teams are going to go uh, in Europe this season. Celtic uh, will go to Rome. They'll go to Madrid again to play Atletico this time. And they're going over to Holland to face Feyenoord. So Lazio, Feyenoord, Atletico Madrid. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one, I think. But I don't think it's exactly going to be the hardest group uh, Celtic have faced in, in Champions League historically. Mm, I I think it's a pretty rough group. It's not easy, but there, none, no group was going to be easy. But there's no... Atletico Madrid are probably the most serious hitters there, but Feyenoord and Lazio don't have regular Champions League um, kind of, they've not been in it that much recently, I would say. I don't know, I think they're better teams than than maybe even Celtic and Rangers have faced in the last few years, you know, Feyenoord are, are, are a better side than the one that Rangers beat Ibrox a few years ago and Lazio finished above both of the Milan teams, they were second in, in Serie A mm-hmm. last season ahead of Inter Milan who made it to the Champions League final so they're a better side than Celtic faced a few years ago as well mm-hmm. um, Atleti have you know an, an unbelievable Champions League pedigree I, 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 I'm not sure where the points are coming from from Celtic in that group to be perfectly honest I think they'll really struggle to to hit obviously the Dream's probably third realistically third and then you drop down into the Europa League I think Celtic will be struggling again to hit that I think that's where most Celtic fans, Laura, will really realistically think that they're, they're going to have um, a chance at European football after Christmas is finishing third. But I kind of agree with him. I don't think points are going to come easy or as easy as... I don't think I don't think any Celtic fans will expect them to be easy, but it's always going to come down to the home games. I don't see how Celtic fans shouldn't feel some confidence going into these, even though the team is a lot different. And there's a lot of change going on as well, isn't there? I I think they should be going to take confidence. I'm not going to be as doom and gloom as Finn here. Um, <laughs> it could have been a much much harder group. <laughs> I mean, I you look so at that too. on paper. All those teams are absolutely for the taking at Celtic Park, and it's always what it comes down to. It's their away games. It's what they can do on the roads and make a difference. And as you're saying, like, see if they don't make it through to the group stages they've got third place to fall back on drop down to Europa League which is a competition that Brendan Rodgers has got Celtic through to the the knockout stages before in Mm -hmm. I don't think it's if I was a Celtic fan I would be 
quietly confident, to be honest. I agree with you, Laura. I think there should be confidence for all Scottish teams going into their groups because even if you look at Rangers in the Europa League now, they have uh, drawn Real Betis, Sparta, Prague, back to Prague. Mm. They love that area of the town. And uh, Limassol as well. Finn, being a Rangers fan, give us your give us your take on this. What really helped really was um, Rangers being seeded in pot one because I think when you look at some of the other mm. pot one sides, there was the potential that they could have faced Liverpool again, Ajax, like there's some seriously good teams in pot one. And it was only because I think it was Dinamo Zagreb contrived to lose 4-1 in the second leg when it looked like they were already through. Um, the Rangers got bumped up to pot one because they, they didn't make it in the end. Betis... <laughs> They haven't been around European football an awful lot in, in recent seasons or certainly not to a massively high level. So as a second seed, they're not a d- bad team to get. I think there's obvious beef with Rangers in the two Prague clubs because of what happened around the whole Glen Camara saga. Um, it was actually yeah. Slavia Prague was was where the incident started, but fans might remember the season after they did play Sparta Prague and... Um, none of the main fans were allowed in, but school children were, and all the school children still booed Glenn Camara when he got the ball. So there's a bit of needle between those clubs. And Limassol, decent enough, but I I think Rangers could look confidently on that group to at least be getting through. Um, Whether or not they'll be top, I'm not too sure. I think they'll be sparring with Betis and and Prague uh, for, for the top spot. If they play like they've been doing recently, I don't think that'll be very easy. But if they manage to click into gear, I think they've 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 got a chance, yeah, definitely of getting out of that group. Laura, what do you think about Aberdeen's chances for the conference then? Because they've got Frankfurt, who obviously beat Rangers in the Europa League final a few years ago, Pauk, who knocked out um Hearts, wasn't it? And then Helsinki, which is a cool wee place to go, I've heard. Look, I mean, like Frankfurt is a very, very difficult tie here. <laughs> you, you don't just play the Europa League winners and uh, hope for the best. Um, it's, that's a very, very tough one. Um, Pauk, look, I've seen them. I I think Hearts gave them a very good game at home. They just didn't perform away from home. It, it was very, very disappointing to ship that many goals to them. Okay, if you go over there, you don't quite deal with the, the occasion fine but to shit what was it five goals in the end away from home on the road it's just it's not good enough I would like to think Aberdeen could do better who knows in Europe Um, Helsinki look okay champions of Finland uh, current leaders of the, the Finnish league as well obviously they're a lot further on than us right now but then we saw Aberdeen take on champions of Sweden and to be fair they actually did well against them I know the scoreline maybe didn't flatter them in the end but I thought that they obviously held them in the first leg they held them to account second leg it was an end-to-end really exciting game of football and mm. if they really capitalise on what was a horrendous miss uh, Majowski just after they scored the first mm-hmm. goal the whole tie could have been so different and obviously the, the late penalty killed it for them like I think if they've they've shown they can take on the Swedish champions, it could be a similar take on the Finnish champions. They could have a chance. Um, I don't think this is going to be down night for Aberdeen. I don't think it is write them all off um, and they're going to just embarrass the, the, the country, the coefficient. I don't think that's the case at all. I just think they need to kind of watch the Frankfurt game as their, their main one. Let's let's keep that scoreline down. I think the key for Aberdeen and any, any side like Hearts last season, going into the Conference League and utilising this as an opportunity to strengthen their squad, which Aberdeen have, done and I think Hearts did too but it, but there's a there's a real lack of time where these teams can really kind of gel and Aberdeen are going to have to gel quickly with the amount of different players that they've brought in purely for this European um, adventure as well as domestically I, and I don't think Hearts had enough of that last season for the team to gel and ultimately we saw Robbie Nielsen lose his job Aberdeen's had a very difficult start this season as well I hope we don't start seeing the signs of they start doing badly in Europe. Barry Robson, who are in the bottom two at the moment and domestically, I hope we don't start seeing Robson, who had a great end to last season as well. Everyone's saying, oh, he's he's for the chop and all this stuff. I hope yeah. there's time to where Aberdeen are a club where they need to use Europe for that squad to get together because I think keeping Majofsky and Duke in this transfer window is massive. So I think we need to give um, these teams and these managers a bit more time rather than bashing them after any European Yeah, the, the disappointing thing with Hearts last year was they didn't do well in the Conference League. 
they, they finished third. Their, I think that was all right. Their, they, they, they picked up their two results, but everyone was like, okay, look, this was a learning curve. They can take this on now. They can push on in the league. They can push on next season in Europe as well. But they haven't. They, they they didn't finish third in the league. They didn't qualify this season. So it was all, okay, great. They had a, a fun campaign last year where they got two wins out of six. But it didn't do anything in the long run. And mm-hmm. well, I don't want that to be the same story for Aberdeen this time round. So we're seeing the exactly. same thing looking ahead. And then this time next year we go, oh, well, they didn't qualify. So what was the point? I, I agree with you. Although I think just the reality of the situation is European football broadly is so different to what these teams are used to playing 100%. week in, week out. Of course. Not just from a technical aspect. I think it's vastly different. And I, I don't know if our teams are drilled necessarily the same way to cope with that technical aspect. But I think tactically as well, because it's just it's, it's a completely different style of football that they're coming up against. Uh, and it's one of those sad things, but it just it takes time it takes the learning curve of being beaten by these better teams and trying to learn from these experiences uh, you can't just snap your fingers and do it overnight it's it, it, this is not a new thing as well that this is something that's been an issue for scottish teams for the best part of 40 years in europe really since you know we were kind of competing and winning trophies in the 80s in 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 europe where football's moved on but the scottish football hasn't I would say broadly and I think we're still trying to play catch up to a style of football that the rest of the world or the rest of the continent certainly broadly seems to play that we don't and that's really difficult trying to build squads that are capable of competing domestically where the vast majority of teams play a specific brand of football or type of football and then you need to completely change face from the weekend to midweek go into a you know, a place like Pauk or Haken or or Eindhoven or whatever it is, like to completely change your game within three days to compete in a in a, in a different way. I, I, it's it's really different. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think that's the challenge that faces our sides when they go into Europe, especially those that are really getting European football only intermittently. So, like properly every you know group stage football or whatever it is once every other season or every couple of seasons it's 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 a massive challenge and again it's why sadly I, it doesn't fill me with a huge amount of hope for Aberdeen in the conference league I hope improved wrong but I don't see them picking up a huge amount of points in that group either e- even against sides like Helsinki who maybe potentially would be seen as a team that Aberdeen should be beating at that level well Don's Finn has taken the role of Dr Doom for you so let's <laughs> hope that things get better from now on and that you can Put the finger up to Finn later on in the programme. That'd be good. <laughs> nice. Let's do our SPFL roundup then. O'Reilly's header suddenly gets Kyogo a chance! Fabulous finish! His old firm scoring spree continues! Okay, guys, the Premiership, Scottish Premiership, obviously, uh, propped up by Celtic and Motherwell, Laura. You'll be delighted with that. Both on 10 points. St Mirren third, Rangers fourth, uh, Finn. Uh, So let's start at Ibrox, and you can give us your breakdown very quickly, please, on uh, Rangers nil, Celtic one. Back-to-back defeats for Rangers. Yeah, it was a pretty horrendous week um, for the club, obviously, not not just getting dumped out of the Champions League, which I don't know if that was a massive surprise to the fans anyway, but just the manner of the defeat. Um, and I think, you know, after a defeat like that, you want a game to come along quickly where you can buy yourself a little bit of time. doesn't come much bigger and easier than performing in an old firm game and Rangers failed to do that as well. I just think like, as, as a neutral watching this, I don't know, I'd ask the question to you, Laura, as well, but like, I, this must have been a bit of a rough watch. Like, I... I Genuinely, I think since Rangers came back into the top flight, I can't remember a game where the quality level was that poor and that both sides are coming into it because you had like Celtic, I think, you know, with their 17th choice defensive lineup in the game, were kind of the physical embodiment of the <laughs> Benny Hill theme tune at times at the back. And just coming off the back of the, our European chat, honestly, if they play like that defensively in Europe, there's a genuine chance they might end up with a worse record than Rangers in the group stage last season. But that was countered by the fact they came up with a, a, a Rangers front line 
that was like the footballing equivalent of Make-A-Wish Foundation. It was like they'd all won a prize to, to, to compete up front. It just, the ineptitude was absolutely abysmal on every level. One shot on target, Rangers mustered the whole game. One shot. Just the the, the tactical setup, not just in this game, but a lot of the games recently under Beal, I can't see what the plan is. I, I, I can't see what the system is supposed to be. Not even embryonic stages of like, oh, I see what they're trying to do. They're relying on aging wing-backs doing even more than they did last season because they've got rid of all their natural width in Barisic and, and, and Tavernier. They've spent all this money on their frontline rangers, but it's the back line, I would say, that needed the most change. Still the defence that they're relying on is made up of Barisic, Goldson, Tavernier. These were guys that were playing in Gerrard's first Old Firm game in 2018, five years ago. Uh, and a stat that absolutely blew my mind, of their last 50 competitive fixtures, Rangers have conceded the opening goal in 27 of them and then gone on to win just 10 games from that losing position. And and some of those victories and coming behind were against the likes of Patrick Thistle and Morton. So I, I think if fans want evidence that they can compete domestically with Celtic, I, I can't see any real sign of that at all. Wow. <laughs> Sounds pretty doing glim again. He's gone for it today, everyone. <laughs> it's interesting coming off the back of Lee Johnson being sacked by Hibs last week where I, I, I said on the show I was like I think it's too early in the season to sack your manager after you know three mm-hmm, or four mm-hmm. league games into the season and I, I, I still believe that but I think the knives are definitely sharpening for Michael, Michael Beale you look at all the major games that he's all the major challenges he's faced since he came in he's lost every single one of them or close mm-hmm. to every single one of them he mm-hmm. the his first old firm game in January was two points dropped. The League Cup final against Celtic was lost playing baffling tactics. The old firm game in April was lost playing baffling tactics. The crucial away game in Aberdeen in April lost. Scottish Cup semi-final against Celtic lost. And the qualifying round against PSV, not just lost, humiliated. And and again, it just goes back to that thing. There's no discernible signs of pro- progress or progression despite him getting all the players that he wanted he's been backed vociferously by the board I think this only really ends one way to be honest Kilmarnock lost to Ross County Laura 1-0 Simon Murray getting his first league goal for Malky Mackay but Kilmarnock robbed by Kevin Clancy yeah it was not a great weekend for refs was it especially in this game at Rugby Park my god so Kevin Clancy blew for penalty but the ball was headed into the net and mm-hmm. instead of, obviously, he can't let the goal stand because he's already blown his whistle, they take the resulting penalty and they miss. He should not have blown his whistle because, especially now with VAR, you're meant to play until that passage of play has finished. And fine, he can then go back and rectify it. But if you're going to blow your whistle for a penalty before the ball has actually finished being played, that's embarrassing for Kevin Clancy. That's unfortunate for Kamarnock. Ross County are laughing all the way home. It's just a total lack of discipline, really, from the referee. I mean, Clancy should just just not blow. I mean, they will. They would have known all this. They would have done their drills before the season started. They would have known the rules, or they should have known the rules. And he's. I think he's just got caught up in the moment. Because the thing is, it came from a free kick as well. It wasn't a free-flowing move where like, you could blow early doors. It's just absolutely baffling. That's the whole reason that the Rangers goal was chopped off was because VAR um, advised the referee to go and look at a potential foul um, previously in the build-up. It's the whole reason that this rule has been brought in mm-hmm. for VAR is to take the pressure off the referees and our referees are just piling it back on themselves by not by not playing by the VAR rules. But look how frustrated we get when we see very clear offsides not being flagged and we're always screaming off, just put the flag up. Why are we playing? It's so obvious but it's because they have to. They have to finish the passage of play. Yes. And then in this case, he's done the exact opposite. And as much as, yeah, I'd love to go back to that old way of not having VR and uh, playing that style of football again, it's just not the way you play. That's not in the rules. So it's just, it was just a disaster for him. It's been another great start for Motherwell guys. Amazing under Kettlewell. It's been absolutely incredible. The, their unbeaten run under him continues, uh, which is mad when you think he, he took charge, permanent charge back in February. Joint top of the league. And I think it was their first win at, uh, at Hearts since September 2019. 
it's it's just going from strength to strength, and and some of the link up play for, for particularly for the goal was just amazing. Um, I don't know what you made of it, Laura uh, Finn. Who wants to jump in first? Because I'll just say now the the spittle slattery uh, move was absolutely absolutely sublime. To add another S into it. Yeah, it's, it's working well for them. I think I kind of raised the concern at the start of the season with Sean Goss leaving. I was a wee bit concerned for that area of the pitch, but the two of them together, they've they've been great so far this season. Kettlewell, like the stats, stats are incredible when you look at them. He's um, only had three defeats in twenty four games, ten games in a row unbeaten, and he hasn't lost an away game. Finn, did you see he's he's just two points off, get the same amount of points as Celtic over the same amount of time. Yeah, that was the stat I read. So since Kettlewell took charge of Motherwell, they've taken 40 points. And the only team to better that in Scotland is Celtic with 42 points, which is astonishing, <laughs> um, that turnaround. It's, it's kind of a surprise, but it's also kind of not. I, I remember seeing before the season started, like I, I've, I really like Stuart Kettlewell. I think he's a really good coach. Um, and and you kind of need to marry up, I think, that that coaching ability and the managerial side of it as well, you know, like leading the team and doing all that kind of stuff. But I think as a coach, I think he's one of the, the best coaches, we've, young coaches we've got in the country. Um, and I think that was evident from his time at, at Ross County. Ross Just County, yeah. you, you could see how well drilled County were under him. And ultimately, you know, it, it, it kind of didn't end up so well. But the way that he he was coaching that side and the, when, they, when they came back up into the top flight, I, I was really impressed, I remember seeing then, and I was kind of hoping, I mean, he, t- he took quite a long gap out the game as well, didn't he, really? He did. Because from leaving County, when was that, 2020-ish, to coming in at Motherwell? Because even then, he only joined Motherwell late 22, didn't he? And then, you know, like five months later, he's in the, the hot seat, so... Was he? He took, he took Hamill's job as academy manager, and then he ended up taking his <laughs> permanent full-time manager's role. They can't even be pals now. <laughs> Haunts his dreams. <laughs> Jeez, oh. Yeah, stinker for Hearts, though. We did mention it earlier on about their, their disappointment in Europe, but just listening to, uh, uh, it's all going well at Motherwell, but the post-match interviews, listening to Kettlewell, who talks really fast and really positively. It's just absolutely fantastic what's going on right now. And then it cuts to Stephen Naismith, who's just, you know, <laughs> it's just a wee bit slow and really rubbish. Everything's just really rubbish. Right <laughs> it's just... I feel for him because we all know he's he's manager. They've, I think the Hearts have recruited well, but maybe maybe I'm just wrong. I I, I just feel for Hearts right now because I think they're a better team than what they're showing currently. Livingston won, St Mirren won, really late goals, late drama, shall we say. That's what we'll call it. Um, St Mirren could have gone top, but they didn't. St Johnston 2, Dundee 2. Absolutely mad drama. one here. Late drama. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Um, I think considering how bad St. Johnson started the game, I was hearing just like they were right off and then they just came from back from the dead. Fair play to them. Fair play to Max Kucharavi. Two late goals from him. Uh, mad really, yes. Yeah, St. Johnson were dire. I only saw the highlights, but it looked pretty bad. And then um, kind of story coming out of Easter Road. They, they beat Aberdeen 2-0 at Aberdeen, David Gray's first points as interim boss of Hibs, but it might be the case that they will have a new manager by the time the domestic season returns. Football Scotland have actually came out and said the Central Coast Mariners boss, Nick Montgomery, has already said goodbye, uh, they've said to his squad in Australia, because they've looks like he's going to be the next Hibs boss. Finn, you're in Australia. <laughs> that yes. tiny little place. <laughs> do, you know, do you know anything about Nick Montgomery? A little bit, yeah. He's actually done a pretty incredible job over the last number of years with Central Coast Mariners. So just for context, like not traditionally massive movers and shakers in the A-League. Um, their last championship came, I think, over a decade ago when Montgomery was playing for them. So he actually moved over to Australia, finished his career there, played five years. And he's been involved with the club ever since um, in kind of coaching capacities, then as assistant manager. And now he's stepped up uh, the last three seasons, I think it is, into the, the manager's job. And he's done exceptionally well. So they finished second in the league last year and they actually went on to win the the championship so once a league season's over like MLS it goes into like a playoff to a Super Bowl mm-hmm. type finish and uh, I I was at the final um, working for Melbourne City where uh, from a work point of view it wasn't so great because Central Coast absolutely hammered them in the final six one Jason Cummings scored a hat trick I think he's quite tactically astute 
he is good at bringing through young players. You kind of have to be in the A-League, um, given the way that the squad makeups are done. But there'll, there'll be a couple of players that he's helped bring through that will be known to Scottish football fans. So Lewis Miller, who's now at Hibs, uh, was was the right back there. Uh, James McGarry, who's now at Aberdeen. I don't think he's played a game yet, but he just signed in the summer, was the left back under him. Um, Kai Rolls, uh, who's now at Hearts, of course. Uh, centre-back, he came through under, under Montgomery. As we're losing one Hibs manager, he was great for a sound back. Nick Montgomery is also an interesting character in his uh, in his interviews. He's he's a Yorkshireman uh, by birth, so he's he says what he thinks, um, and he's Yorkshire. quite good at, at trying to um, what would be the right phrase, kind of like fergie up his opponents. I think he's a good fit. I, I, I think tactically the way that Hibs play with. That mix of of want to spot a bargain as well. He's he's brought in a couple of players that have done really well. Um, there's a player, a Brazilian player, Tulio, that that he brought in from from um, Sport in Lisbon, who was one of the standouts in the A League last season. An amazing spot. So if you can marry up, you know, good good business in the transfer market with bringing through young players, um, tactically fairly astute, I think it could be a pretty good uh, appointment by Hibs. Not not going to be easy when you're when you're taking charge of a team that's not Celtic or Rangers, but we certainly shouldn't be, uh, you know, turning our noses up to anyone coming from another division from another country that's far afield. We're not into that kind of. I've seen it on Twitter. Some people already saying, "Oh, he's managed in a diddy league." All this stuff we've seen it all before, and we've seen Ange Postecoglou. It can happen. He's a very good manager. Not as good as Steve Clark, though. Um, which <laughs> points me to the next direction. How's your German, by the way? <laughs> you think I'm going to answer a stupid question like that? Right, it's that glorious time of year again when domestic football stops and the national team take full priority. It's so fun being a Scotland fan right now. It really is. And it's about to get so much better. To look ahead to the Euro 2024 qualifier against Cyprus and the 150th anniversary friendly against them, Gordon Shiach from the Tartan Scarf joins us for this chat. Gordon, it's such a good time now to be a Scotland fan. Tell me how excited you are for this uh, international break because I'm absolutely buzzing. Oh, you're right. It is. It is. It is just simply. The best time, you know. I, I think I think often about that that Andy Bernard quote from the office, you know, where he says, you know, I wish there was a way of knowing you were in the good old days before you left them. And that's why I just keep liking to speak positively about the Scotland team because we've all lived through periods that were pretty shit, let's be honest. You know, I'm <laughs> old enough to remember a World Cup qualifying campaign where we took two points from our first six games. I mean, so to be in a place now where we've won four games from four for the first time ever for the men's team. We're through the looking glass, people, in terms of actually having a really bloody good Scotland team. And the really nice thing is they're not even done yet. You know, there's still mm -hmm. so much more this team can achieve, so much more this team can do. You look at the age profile of the squad. This, again, this isn't the expendables. This isn't one last hurrah for an old group of players. You know, we've got exciting young players coming through that can be the fulcrum of this side for the mm -hmm. next 10 years and the next multiple tournaments. So, yeah, it, it, long story short, I'm utterly buzzing about this week that's how confident we are though now isn't it gordon like to be thinking we're having these conversations already i mean we're actually having them in like february or something like that that's how confident we were it was mad wasn't it this is the best part of it like what exactly what gordon opened with right there is my favorite part it's like how often have we opened qualifying campaigns and it's like a dismal home draw to like macedonia and then we get cuffed away in norway and then we're just like already two games in being like well we can still qualify all we need to do is beat germany home and away and you're just like no that's this is terrible but now we're just like well we've already beaten spain what's it to worry about we, we can afford <laughs> no. to go over there and play a business no like, you're gonna get no you're getting carried away and it's just gonna all fall flat if we start thinking like that that's the mentality no 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 no. we need to stay focused <laughs> but the best thing is going into this this could actually be the one that clinches it for us strangely yeah. enough this is the, the the mental thing so gordon you can kind of confirm exactly if i've got this right because i can't actually yep. remember what the permutations are oh i've thought but, about nothing but mm -hmm. yeah so am i right in saying if the night if obviously obviously if we beat cyprus it all can obviously yep. goes in that but spain are playing georgia the same night if spain beat georgia then it should. sets up yeah exactly so you're hoping that things happen the way you expect them to then it sets up this incredible night against england where 
let's just put it into context here. You've got a sold out Hamden, home fans. We're playing in that beautiful kit and we're playing our biggest rivals in this century, anniversary match. And if Norway and Georgia, who are playing at the same time, draw their match, we actually qualify for the Euros. So it doesn't even matter what England do to us. We will qualify for the tournament that night at Hamden. I can't think of a better way to have like that party would be just incredible. Apart from like a last minute winner or something to clinch it. I just cannot think of a better way to do it. How weird would it be though for the England fans that are at Hamden uh, when they've just beaten us 4-0 or whatever. and Wondering why we're partying. (laughs) Going mad for it. This is I really like Scotland. (laughs) So positive. Um, Some of the team news that kind of came out the other day. I mean, the, the standout um, kind of in the news is that we've brought up um, Elliot Anderson, who qualifies through Scottish Granny. This guy, he's a proper player. I mean, I've got, mm. I've, I've got a few mates who are Newcastle fans. They are very excited about this young man. Only twenty years old, scored four goals in preseason away with the the team in America, and obviously. He's at a club that's going through a very radical transformation. They're obviously now a Champions League club, so you know you have to bear that in mind. But he's very much a part of that first team. You know, he's getting minutes most games. Um, he's been spent a season out on loan at Bristol Rovers. Uh, did very well, very well down there. I think it was eight goals and five assists in the season. Um, and you watch him play. Like I've, I've I've watched a few few YouTube compilations of him. You know, and what what you see in this guy, you know, is. Some very deft touches on the ball, lovely driving runs through midfield, you know, passing, finishing off both feet, good strength. Um, I think he's I think he's got a bit of everything. Um mm-hmm. Eddie Howe was speaking over the summer when they took him away to America that he'd come back from preseason and had clearly worked very hard on himself in his time off. And he'd come back a lot stronger, a lot more physical, a bit more bulked out. So, you know, let's not again. I think what's lovely about this, this the Scotland squad right now is that we don't need to overload players like this with too much expectation because there's not the desire that we're thinking, shit, we need a saviour to come in here and be this, the messiah for our team because we're desperate. He's coming into a successful side. So I think I don't expect him to be starting games for Scotland anytime soon, and that's absolutely fine. I think he'll he'll work his way in, but clearly if he's good enough, he'll be in the team. And I think um, just, just, just one thing, just if I, if I can set alarm bells ringing a tiny bit, um, I was reading up on the revised eligibility rules, and Aww. even if we were to ca- so say say yeah. say if he say if he takes a competitive cap against Cyprus, that does not lock him in to play for Scotland forever, because you can get up to three competitive caps before the age of twenty one, so long as they're not at a World Cup or a Euros finals, and you can change your allegiance. So if we cap him say against Georgia in November. And that's just after his 21st birthday, then he's ours to keep. But uh, one cap against Cyprus does not a Scotland career make. But again, maybe I'm just, that's, I think he's with us. He's with us, he's committed, and I'm delighted that he's here. You're stirring the pot. (laughs) If you listen to Laura, he's already pledged his allegiance. He has. He (laughs) absolutely has. I know, but I I just think it's such an old terminology. He put his hand on the the national anthem and he put his hand on his heart and he sang it. (laughs) And the Bible and everything. If Laura had her way as well, there would definitely be blood involved somewhere. (laughs) You know, some sort of blood sacrifice for any English-born player (laughs) dedicating themselves to Scotland. Prove what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right, Gordon, because I think what's so nice is that we've got a squad at a certain point which is it's not even just a starting 11 it's like it's an actual squad and we've got players that can move in and and move out because there will be players that um you know get slightly older or maybe have injuries or don't want to focus on international careers that's the point then where you're not bringing in kids and throwing them in at the deep end they are kids that have been brought in at a time where they can just be part of the squad learn from the older players maybe be given a friendly here or there 20 minutes here in a, in a game once you know we've put four or five past Spain or whatever um, and give them a bit of game time but it's like you look at the successes of that people like Billy Gilmer is the one I'm thinking of that, that, that comes to mind or, or maybe even Nathan Patterson you know like boys that came into the squad and they were involved but they were good enough and given mm-hmm. the chance they've grabbed that with both hands and now they are both you know mainstays of the of, of the squad and and really the starting 11 so it's really exciting to have that level of player and the, the other one that just keeps coming that same a name that seems to be coming up over and over and over again is Ben Doak at Liverpool is one that's generating a lot of excitement and again it's that same thing you're just like we, we don't need these little wonder kids to come in and hang all of our hope 
uh, on yep. on their their little sugarly pegs, but they just they can grow at a, a point that is is good for them uh, yep. in terms of their club careers and that national career. But we've got this generation of exciting talents playing at the highest level, ready to come in for for when we need them to. Oh, look, Fen, I mean, I was speaking as one of the founding members of the Jordan Rhodes uh, Tartan Army Association. <laughs> and, like, I, know, I know full well about hanging your hat on a player that you think is going to be the saviour. Um, but I, I think as well, to, to speak to your point there, that it's so clear for these young players now that the pathway exists for them to get into the team and get into the starting 11 as well. You know, you look at the squad, like I went back through the Wayback Machine in Wikipedia and I was able to find the first squad that um, that Steve Clark called up. Only one player in Steve Clark's first squad, one outfield player had more than 30 caps and that was Charlie Mulgrew. So right at the sort of towards the end of his career and you had so many players that were say early to mid 20s like McTominay, McGregor, Tierney, Robertson, etc. Well, Robertson was maybe the outlier, but that had maybe 10, 11 caps in their mid 20s. Whereas now we've got guys like Hickey, Patterson, Gilmore, all 21, 22 years old, all with more than a dozen caps each. And that's, a really, really promising thing to be looking at. And I guess just just sort of one final point on the sort of players that are sort of pledging their allegiance and allegiance and uh sacrificing a haggis to the to the gods <laughs> to, to to come along with us. We are a very attractive proposition now to these players. You know, I think the pitch that Steve Clark can make when he That's goes it. to speak to these guys is yeah. that look, do you want to come along and play with us? Because we're having a fucking great time and exactly. you want to be part of this. And I think yeah. you look at the players that have made that choice in recent years, you know, Shea Adams, Angus Gunn, now Elliot Anderson. I mean, the quality of players that are falling over themselves to come play for Scotland is mm-hmm. very, very, very impressive. And that just speaks to that positive aura that Clark has created around this squad. I'm just going to wrap up quickly by just quickly getting a prediction from Cyprus and a prediction <laughs> against England. And I'll start with you, Laura. Oh, why did you start with me? Because um, I, I, I just want to laugh. <laughs> I think it'll be a stuffy 1-0 win away to Cyprus. And oh. I'm going to go for a one each against England. Wow. Finn? I, I think we'll get the win in Cyprus. I think it will be mm, clinical, nothing over the top. I think 2-0 to Scotland. And I think with the news filtering through that it's a dire nil-nil draw with nobody able to hit the target in Georgia, Norway, I'm going for Scotland 6, England (laughs) 1. I love that. I should have started with you. And go on, Gordon. You can have the final say. Uh, So I think Friday night in Larnaca, it's apparently going to be 31 degrees at kickoff. It's going to be a a tough old night, but I think 2-0 before half time, and then we could put the feet up in the second half. And then against England, I'm I'm go- I'm going for a one 0 win. You know, we're a, we're a Nations League A team. Wow. Now yes. it's time to test ourselves against the best. So yes, and and it's it's a nice opportunity for England to get the chance to test themselves against the best as well. One hundred percent. I can I smell a Harry Maguire own goal. One hundred percent. Come on, <laughs> love to see it. Love it. Okay, that's us for another week. Thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy the podcast, go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, But you can always vent your anger to us on there or share your opinions or our opinions on Twitter. Um, They can get us on Instagram, can't they, Laura? TikTok and even Facebook. How lovely is that? Thanks to Gordon Sheikh. Good to have you back, Laura. Finn, have a lovely day as we record this while you're in the morning and we're in the evening. But for the rest of you, hold fire on booking that time off work. Plant the thought, though, in everyone's head that you might be biffing off to Germany next summer. All I have left to say to you now is Prost! Aber hören Sie sich jetzt etwas anderes an!